this experience isn't, you know, just isolating to one person. In fact, Cora talks about that in one of our scenes. She's when she realizes she thought it, she was the only one at one time that was getting abused by her husband. And then it, she realized she started talking to some of the other people in the community and realizing, wow, this is happening all over the place. So that really makes it very almost urgent for this film to get made. There are a lot of films out there and books out there about the polygamist experience. And a lot of it is you look at people read it and just like, oh God, they, they sure need a lot of help. For me, I really want people to see that Cora does come from that. That is very much the backstory. That's where she comes from. She talks about it in an interview. We have amazing animation that's going over that to visualize it for people. But my hope is that that screen that people are looking at is a mirror. So people go, wow. You know, as a filmmaker, it's like, you wanna just take put the pictures out there and let them speak. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Whiteout, Living It, where we talk with experts in the experience of being human. Those who've taken the risk to realize their dreams and live fully. Today, I'm my good friend, Jill Orschel, who is an independent filmmaker and Emmy award-winning independent filmmaker. She is in the midst of post-production on her first feature-length film. About her documentary, she said, my documentaries offer complex portraits of people as they're discovering their role in challenging environments. I immerse with my film subjects. We're gonna talk about that. And take the time to develop relationships built on trust, and then convey that intimacy in style and story. Jill, welcome to Chris Whittle Living It. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Chris. This is awesome. This is so great to have you here. I am just so excited. And Snowland is your new film. Yes. And I want to talk about, like, this is, Snowland is biting off a lot of, a lot of stuff. Right. I mean, this is there. There are some elephants in the room because this is this is a woman who is who is in a polygamist society. Yes. And and is finding a fantasy land to mm -hmm. to deal with the trauma yeah. that she's had in her life. Yeah. But, I mean, this is this is one of those like the Thanksgiving table, Jill, is like <laughs> we're not talking about sex. We're mm -hmm. not talking about politics. We're not talking about religion. Right. Uh, you you picked up the religion part of it, and but it, but it's also a personal part, right? So yes. how do you get connected to a film like this? Because this isn't this isn't part of your upbringing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, living in Utah from Colorado, we've been here. My husband and I have been here for thirty two years, and you, uh, I've I've heard all about the polygamists down in southern Utah the fundamentalist uh, Mormons, as opposed to the, you know, mainstream Mormons. There was always a, you know, kind of talk about the elephant in the room. There's always a little bit of a disconnect with those two. It was kind of confusing for me. And I was wondering, should I do a film about that and make, try to make sense of it? It wasn't something that really excited me. 
um, when I got access to a woman that was a plural wife and a um, uh, within FLDS, uh, what excited me was the resilience and the humanness and the actually kind of the universal uh, um, connection that I felt with some of the women that I met down in Colorado City or Short Creek. Or How did you get Hildale? down to there? I mean, it's not like you just knock on the door. I mean, these things are, are often barricaded. And I mean, it's like it's it, it, they, they live a a difficult, tenuous existence. And so they're trying to, they're within the community, but but trying to stay separate from the community and separate from the law as well. So exactly. how did you meet with them? Well, yeah, that's a great question. You know, a lot of times people will be going down to Moab or, you know, uh, driving past the, the town and wanna, you know, go over there and, um, a lot of people would be intimidated by, or uh, people would intimidate people if you would drive into the town. And I, that was always curious to me because I was always like this other and um, this kind of barrier. And I was like, what is the deal? Why is it, why do they have this strong hold on us? Or is there, do they have a strong hold on us? Um, so it was always something that I, I thought oh, God, it would make a great film to go down and, and film some human beings down there and find out, you know, what is the story? Um, so anyways, I was in Salt Lake finishing up a, a film and finishing up film school and at the University of Utah. And I went to a kind of a empowerment workshop and I met, I saw somebody there. We were, you know, in the Ramada Inn conference room in a big circle. And I see this woman across from me and she's very pregnant. She probably had a halo over her head. I was like, who is that? And we end up partnering together and just really hit it off. And a couple of days later, somebody said to me that knew us both said, did you know that she's a polygamous wife? And I immediately had this, oh, oh my God, this is going to be my next film. And so the next four months, I- Because you'd had that connection with, I mean, you'd had the the okay. idea of like, okay, it's something separate. It's something mysterious. But then you had yes. the connection with the woman, right? So- Well, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, you're always looking for the next film or stories to tell. You And somebody that has lived- as a polygamist, as a third wife, second wife, have 12 kids. It's like, wow, that's just so rich for how can you tell something really specific and unique that somebody can present on screen? And then my job is to find the universal story there, the humanness, the, you know, how, how are we more alike than different? That lights me up. That, um, which is ultimately what you have to do. I mean, the story in some ways is the vehicle to get to that essence, right? Exactly. It's, in a way, yeah, it's like, it's like the hook is that these people are plural wives and live somewhere very unique. That's kind of the hook of to get people in the seats. The story that I'm putting out is 
It's a story about family. It's a story about a family that loves each other. It's about people that are going through uh, difficulties, specific di difficulties, but we all go through difficulties. How are they getting through it? How are they healing? How do they, you know, triumph? How do they triumph? And we started, we talked a little bit about the elephant in the room. And when you start talking about polygamy, mm -hmm. there are a variety of different elements too, right? Or, or elephants in yes, that, yes. you know, HBO got involved in this with Big Love, right? And then Crack yeah. Hour mm -hmm. with Under the Banner of Heaven. Obviously, you have the Mormon Church, which is which is a big elephant in the room as well. <laughs> How do you, because you talk about the idea of immersing yourself mm -hmm. with your subject, how do you go beyond sort of the superficial to yeah. get to the essence? But the thing is, like, Great question. that requires a lot from you, too, mm -hmm. an emotional totally. journey. That's right. And first of all, I got to go with no agenda. No agenda or no, no bias or completely open-minded. That's right. Open book. Curious. I So I've met this family through that workshop. I go down. Maybe I don't film at first. And how's the, how does the conversation home. work of like, hey, by the way, I'm an independent filmmaker. I'd like to come <laughs> talk to you. How does that conversation work? Well, it took, as I was saying, took four months for me to send emails or go down and have a meal, spend one day down there, sometimes being very afraid. Like, you know, there's people down there that intimidate us. Yeah. You know, outsiders. Um, it's a lot of asking questions and letting them talk about anything, letting them ask me questions, sharing something a lot about my life. Um, being, you know, I guess you could say vulnerable or just honest, right? Just always the honesty and um, being an open book and, um, you know, putting the ego down, all that stuff is just like so important. And it can take, it took months for one of my films, Sister Wife. Which premiered at Sundance. and Yes, it did. Won an audience award at, at South by Southwest. I mean, it was yes. super successful, right? And that was a short. Yes, I worked really hard on that. Four years. And um, <clears throat> a lot of that was just building relationship. And I was so excited that, you know, I got into Sundance. I mean, I remember, I remember saying, if I get into Sundance, I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep making films. And I got into Sundance and then it went all around the world. It was really exciting. And then I met that that woman's, her Aunt Cora. Right. And she also had a similar story of having 12 kids. She was the second wife within the this marriage. Her story was deeper because she actually went through a lot of abuse. She had this incredible resilience about her through and she always kept kind of hope alive and almost escaped through her art and that was so exciting to me to see that the way she the way she was that she way she created and went into almost a whole nother realm of, of her life you know of her you know 
it was her healing. And I connected with that because I, I saw my mom as a creative woman as well with only four kids. <laughs> That's easy. And, yeah. And I grew up thinking, oh, my mom, my mom loves her art more than me. I really, that really was a thing. It wasn't into my thirties until I finally realized, oh, that was how she, that was how she kind of kept calm and, and managed. And processed and. And processed. Exactly. It's so cool. And now I'm finding myself doing this as I'm in my ninth year making Snowland, my first feature length film. Nine years. Nine years. I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes it really scares me that I put so much of my life into this and it can be paralyzing. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I can't get out of bed because I'm just, what am I doing? How can I go all these years and not be paid and not be totally sure what I'm making? Not sure how people are going to receive it. That or if they'll even just, see it, right? Hmm? Or if they'll even see it. Oh, yeah. Making it is one thing, but putting it out there is a whole nother thing. That's the, you know, that's the work. I get up. I meet with one of my team members, my editor, my animator, my composer, or my producer, or my audience members building an audience. I'm in fundraising mode right now. You know, doing one thing each day can build. And all of a sudden you're feeling, I'm feeling better. I'm like feeling more confident. I'm I'm looking at footage with my editor going, you know, we've got something here. We're building a scene, so scene by scene, just like your film, One Revolution, you know, just that one revolution. I just love that. It's, it's, I think about it a lot. If we estimated that, it took 528,000 revolutions to make it to the top. So this is, this is the filmmaking. This is your nine years, right? Of like, yes. okay, one yes. revolution I can I understand. <laughs> really yeah well we're all climbing a mountain yeah with yeah. your team is this a permanent team that you have do you have a team based on projects how how does that work or do people come in and out is yeah. it that's the constant that's a great question you know i um i say that you know i've been working at this for uh, you know for about 30 years like, you know, filmmaking. And I still call a lot of colleagues, friends to help out, you know, with advice. Maybe somebody will shoot something like an interview um, so I can ask the questions because that's hard to ask questions and shoot at the same time. It uses two different parts of the brain. <laughs> two different parts of the brain, but then you're talking about the money part of it of like, okay, but if I do it, then it's way cheaper. Than exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, the team that I have right now, especially my editor, I hope I'm going to work with her on all the future projects. I used to do my Which own means editing. you have to keep bringing projects in too. Keep That's right. Busy. Yeah. Yeah. I really love the idea of co-directing too. If I can co-direct with somebody and us get along, that will be, I, I could see that being my future. It's really fun working with the team. Some of the shorts that I've done in the past have been just um, 
you know, a, a big solo effort. And that is very much part of <clears throat> filmmaking, you know, scripted stuff. You have to, you know, you sit at your computer and write uh, in isolation. A lot of, a lot of uh, the times of, you know, part of the time of filmmaking and documentary is very isolating. So you're, it's so important as much as getting those great shots, as much as getting good sound and getting great, um, finding great documentary um, participants to film, it's keeping community, keeping that energy. Uh, it helps so much to, it, it really is everything. Well, you do a lot and have done a lot within the community. Yeah. I mean, I mean, from like back in the early days of running the projector. Yes. <laughs> oh, the best job in the world. Every Saturday night going to Park City Film and running the projector. <laughs> Great gig. But like the the filmmakers showcase as yeah. well, where you're yeah. helping other other films, whether shorts, yeah. whether whether feature length, whether mm -hmm. you know, completed, whether in, right. in process. I mean, I think that when we showed, we were you know, we, we were like, well, this is a thought and that's a thought and we'll put it together and we'll put it to get, put it up. But that yeah. sense of community, because you're also talking about your team too, and your, your mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ability as a filmmaker is, is almost as much about your ability to recruit yeah. people who will be on your team to call people and say, Hey, I'm doing this. Would you be interested in joining? But yeah, yeah. What does that community and how conscious of, of the community, of building that community, are you? Oh, yeah. Thank you for saying that. You know, with the filmmaker showcase that we've done and and One Revolution was such a great example of a, a success because you guys were in rough cut. Right. Um, you were dur during your rough cut of post-production and you had a couple scenes to show. We showed we brought it with other filmmakers into the, you know, auditorium with a live audience. Jim Santi, so, I mean, place where they show a lot of Sundance films, Sundance, right? So exactly. as, as a, the beginning person, you're like, oh, we're in this, we're sharing a space with the big people. Yeah, exactly. And having that, having that experience of you can do this, right? And we can do this together and anybody, there's no limits to reaching your goals or, or setting your dreams, right? Setting your goals and reaching your dreams, <laughs> going for your dreams and having everybody together. And I, I always would love that to be inclusive and, and not exclusive. I always love to have, you know, anybody that is has the potential and wants to be a part of that. It's so important. And so it is part of that kind of recruiting and, and community building. Something that has really shifted for me, like when I was doing a lot of my short films, a lot of the times I would get, you know, team members, I would do a favor for them. They would, if they would do a favor for me. Right. And I'd be, you know, scrap everything together and get it done. Now it's a whole different deal. Making a feature length film Everybody on our team expects to get paid. They're independent artists. They, uh, if they, 
can't get paid, then they're gonna my, uh, like my editor took on a job with HBO doing a uh, you know a, a, a documentary series the past few months. And the uh, most comfortable thing is actually establishing your rate, right? Because your value mm -hmm. is somewhere between zero and infinity. Yes. <laughs> and when somebody's paying you, because this is an interesting yeah. industry, right? You're yes. you're only as good as your contacts and mm -hmm. and as your credits, right? That yeah. that it's like, oh, you did that, you worked on that, you edited on that. Okay, this is mm -hmm. this is who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then when you establish a rate. And and you say to somebody, okay, I'd like you to come on. And they say, well, this is my rate. And and they can feel a little bit comfortable that they've established a rate. But then there's always a sliding scale of like, this is my rate, but you sound like you have a great project that I'd like to work on. Yeah. How much do people want to work on it and how in the project, how much you, you like being with the with people? Is that worth it? You maybe are thinking about the next one, but really, I think I I think it would be a good thing for us to talk about is valuing yourself. Yeah. This it's been a big journey making this uh, feature length documentary Snowland because I'm living at home with my husband, being a wife. Um, you know, uh, there is there. I think that's one of the last, you know, uh, underrepresented, um, you, know, pe you know, people in the world right now that's, we need a revolution is <laughs> wives and the value. So I, you know, making a film about a plural wife, which is even down the ranks, the second wife, the third wife right. and valuing and believing in yourself. So I was able to get a taste of that of, cause I want to be a professional. I want to be valued and bring something to our family. It it took a long time to realize maybe not everything that we bring is monetary. Might not be it might be what I'm bringing line, magic yeah. to the household. Right? Maybe excitement or going for your dreams. I'm being a, a living example for my kids. Um, you know that I I think that is a something that's well, I think that that's one of the reasons that this film is going to be impactful because I'm really excited to show it to women, women people women that are aging that that are are seeing their value go down when society puts youth on the pedestal and you know what I mean? So I'm excited for people to see how my film participant in Snowland, Coralie Witt, keeps going up. And by it, it's, it's a transforming um, story where she, you see in our, the scenes where she starts believing in herself and realizing her worth. And it happens in an unexpected way. I'm so excited for people to see this movie. And show it in around the country, around the world, really, in groups of women and, you know, um, where they can not see this other person with all these unique circumstances in her life. But I actually want people to see themselves yeah. and go, wow, if she can do it, maybe I can 
go, go do something. Maybe I can write that book. Maybe I could leave that bad relationship. Maybe I could sing in a choir or do a blog. <laughs> it really is. I mean, the idea of creating something because Snowland is something that that she created. I mean, you talk at it yeah. talk about it as as sort of a refuge, a way of processing, mm-hmm. but it ended up being a a finished product too, yeah. which yeah. I mean, so much of art is the way that we interpret our world and the way that we interpret ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Our world. And so you get that sense of achieving the vulnerability to be honest enough to be universal. Yeah. You know, Snowland, there is that real Snowland. There's books. She's Cora is now in her 70s and she's still writing chapters of her books and also other realms, seasonal realms. So, and then there's, there's costuming, there's, you know, she wants to make a ballet, you know, it's, it's really vast and it's, it's fun as a filmmaker and a visual person to put that out there. And, you know, you know, it's just like something that's just really visual and fun to watch, but it's also an idea. Snowland is an idea. We all have a snow where we all could have a snowland. One of our hashtags we use is escape to snowland. And when you have some kind of a, you know, like a a dream or something that you're going for, and you know all about this, Chris, right? You know, you it ends up being a vehicle for you to go for it. Well, it has to be bigger than you on some yeah. level, right? So yes, yes. you have to honor her story in a way mm-hmm. that, I mean, but you're also, you're telling your story to a certain extent. I mean, you're the lens through which you and your editor, obviously, are, are the lens through which we're seeing Cora. Absolutely. You know, on this film in somebody else's hands would be so different. And I struggled with this at the beginning, thinking, oh man, how much of the religion do I need to reveal? How much of the, you know, statistics about domestic abuse and everything? Which is universal, right? I mean, the domestic abuse, unfortunately, those numbers oh, are way, way, way higher than than they should yeah. be. And yeah, it's across exactly. all parts of society, unfortunately. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And, you know, and the victim it, part too, right? The mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I I think I, I really want to um, partner with the Peace House mm-hmm. in Park City, Utah. I think they're doing such a great job. And if they were around when Cora ended up being homeless with eight of her children, you know, if, if she could have used a resource like the Peace House, which helps you know women of abuse, that her her story would be whole, completely different. And I, I I'm hoping to partner with the Peace House and organizations like that, that could, you know, speak to that experience and connect with, you know, victims out there. Because they always feel like they are alone, right? I mean, that's the biggest yes. issue with the mm-hmm. victim is that there's, there's no, they feel like there's no support, but if there is support right. and using this as a vehicle is, yes. I mean, it, yes. again, it's bigger than, than the story exactly you people aren't alone this is this experience isn't uh, you know just isolating to one person in fact 
Cora talks about that in one of our scenes. She's when she realizes she thought it, she was the only one at one time that was getting abused by her husband. Mm-hmm. And then it, she realized she started talking to some of the other people in the community and realizing, wow, this is happening all over the place. So that really makes it very almost urgent for this film to get made. Just to get back a little bit about through my lens, there are a lot of films out there and books out there about the polygamist experience. And a lot of it is you look at people read it and just like, oh God, they they sure need a lot of help. For me, I really want people to see that Cora does come from that. That is very much the backstory. That's where she comes from. She talks about it in an interview. We have amazing animation that's going over that to visualize it for people. But my hope is that that screen that people are looking at is a mirror. So people go, wow, look at how she is dealing. You know, as a filmmaker, it's like, you wanna just take put the pictures out there and let them speak. So, so at you, the idea of that mirror and people projecting themselves on to, you know, what, what they're seeing in the scene, it's kind of an interesting concept, but it is what I believe in. It makes it so the audience is being, is participating. So there's a lot of films out there, especially like action films, you're just like, you know, taking it all in. And to me, I'm really wanting people to connect the dots in their brains while they're watching a film. Sometimes it's a little harder. <clears throat> it's a harder experience. It's because it's an active experience. It's many ways why um, it's taking a long time to to raise funds for it because it it is a more challenging um, film to to make and put out there. And but it's something that I'm totally proud of. Because I know that people are going to be connecting the dots and it's going to be impacting uh, lives. It's interesting that you say that because that ends up getting to be a more difficult sell, right? Yeah. This idea, because yeah. you're you're going from, from them to me. Yes. And, and it gets to be Us. a personal journey for the, for the audience, right? Whereas... Mm-hmm the salacious the the oh look at them the voyeurism of you know and 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 making them completely separate is 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 an easier sell right and in a lot of ways it's sort of there's there's something intriguing whether it's just the you know the train wreck kind of thing that that you're selling which which doesn't as you say it doesn't do justice yeah to the human experience Mm -hmm. exactly i mean what why would i put in nine years to just uh you know to satisfy the curiosity of audiences i'm i'm looking to do a lot more than that i'm looking to for people to transform themselves how when you do this because because it gets to be so personal right i mean it Mm. really is you're telling core story but you're you're telling your story too and and it's your interpretation of Corey's story and it gets to be so so personal i remember in the the year that we were in the filmmakers showcase with one revolution mm-hmm. there was a woman who did a short film and i want to call it uh i want to call it yoga erotic oh yeah 
it, it was sort yeah, of this orgasma. What's that? Was that orgasma? I think I think you're right. I think it was orgasma. Now that you say it, I couldn't have not I could not have come up with it myself. And <laughs> it, it, it was a super super captivating film. It was sort of a like a dream sequence within yeah. within this yoga class. Mm-hmm. But her parents were there. As right. you know, so right. so, so there's there's an audience right that that you're making this, and as you're doing what you were talking about, the the like difficult day to day, the one revolution, like let's push this forward just a little bit, and you're trying to get to this super honest, vulnerable position representation. Yeah. And then what's that like in the moments leading up to? showing the film, premiering the film, knowing the audience, knowing people in the audience. Yeah. Like, I mean, because there's a part of it that you're like, I just want people to love it. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. we're all vulnerable that way. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's kind of like you want them to love you too yeah. is, is what happens, right? Exactly. I mean, I'm dealing with this right now with, I've got my producer's hat on and we're, we're doing a whole winter of fundraising and I'm building uh, a family of supporters, a community. And I also want to make the best film I can for people to enjoy it and to get something out of. And it's also, what do you say? Like I'm, I'm pulling the, the arrow back. And there's tension going on with that arrow because it's like, oh my God, pressure is on now. The stakes are really high. I've got a a big community that I really want to, you know, love me (laughs) and love what I do. And And support what you do too. Support what I do. And it's also really risky. It's really, you know, there might be a chance that, heck, my husband might sleep in the premiere of the movie. <laughs> he might not be my audience. When you're making a film, any kind of art, you got to just listen to your instincts. I've got this little thing from Sundance that says, the story lives in you. Uh... Can you see that? That might be backwards. The story lives in you. I have this right by my um, my computer. And it's one of Robert Redford's kind of foundational things. Your story lives in you and you got to just like trust that. But guess what? There might be a lot of people that aren't into it. And you got to like still get up, make it and keep going. And that is one of the scariest things. That's why I guess you could say that this work is courageous. It really is. And do you have techniques? I mean, obviously that you have the story that lives in you right next to your computer. So that is a connection to Sundance. That is a connection to Robert Redford. That is a connection to, by extension, all of the people who have created film and film that you've loved. Yeah. So in that one little saying, you're like, okay, that's, that, that's who I want to be. Like that's the, that's the important part, but do you have other techniques? Cause it can be it can be just overwhelming. I mean, yeah. just just paralyzing to to move forward. Like I don't know what to and and you said wearing all those hats too. Where mm-hmm. your producer hat, your and, and sometimes I don't know if you've experienced this, but for me, one of the most difficult things that I've mm-hmm. experienced 
is a ringing endorsement. Mm -hmm. and, and you think, I don't know if I'm ready for that right now. Like the prospect mm -hmm. of, of all the support you'd, you'd need. Yeah. Or, and you go, okay, yeah. okay. Like I, I'm telling myself each day that I believe in myself. Right. And, right. and that's a battle each day to remind myself yes. that I believe in myself. Exactly. What is and it like you're that? You're telling um, me that you believe in me more than I believe in myself. So, so do you have strategies for dealing with that? Well, that? Yes. You know, I love that, that you're mentioning this. You know, what, what is that imposter syndrome? Right. That thing is real, uh, you know, because what we do is bigger than us. It has a life outside of us. We, it's, you know, us doing it, the story that lives in us. And there's also the people that interpret what you're doing. I think it's a big part of our human condition that people see, you know, they see the greatness. We see the greatness in others more than they see themselves. Right. Yeah. How, so I do think that there are techniques that I use and I've gotten some help with this. Um, I think it's always a practice each day of some kind of self-care mm -hmm. getting back into your heart because it's easy to beat yourself up right we're not totally. done we're behind schedule we don't have any money oh yeah yeah how this is it's gonna be a miracle to, to pull this off and it is they're all miracles that we're all doing i mean all the paralympics that you've been in and won medals i mean that's incredible <laughs> and I'm, I'm, every one of those is a journey, I'm sure, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's all a journey. And yeah. and the journey, ultimately, when we look back on it, yeah, is the thing that was that was really the gift. You know, you yes. look at the premiere night and you're like, oh, the premiere night. And it sounds cliched, right? I mean, it's like you're telling me that it's the journey that matters. And you will look back on it later yeah. on and say, you know, if you ever get to that point of like, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving film, I'm doing whatever, and I'm going to get a paycheck every two weeks and a 401k and all of this stuff. But you keep, you look back and go, oh, but that when we were struggling to get that done. Yes. Like that was the coolest part, right? Totally. So, so what, so I think I've interrupted you in terms of your strategies of how you are, your, your techniques of dealing with this. Yeah, with well. Oh, oh, hey, so, okay, the number one, take care of yourself. Sometimes if I'm, we're in a difficult edit, we can't like quite crack the code on, you know, getting that emotional arc that we're wanting in a scene. And it's starting to just like, oh, I could do something like, for me, I want to eat potato chips, just that crunch. And then I feel bad about myself and I've gotten no further on cracking the code of the scene with my editor. But maybe we take a break. She goes and takes a walk. Maybe I'll take a bath. And we come back feeling, all right, we can do, you know, kind of feeling centered. Maybe it's exercising, eating well, um, just self-care. Having a cup of tea, go get in front of the fireplace, go ski or whatever where you feel good about yourself and yes. you're not beating yourself up. Yes. Like beating yourself down, really, I guess yeah. is what it is. It's so, so easy you finish to finish just down. barely. 
Mm -hmm. It's so easy to beat yourself down and go, oh, I'm not smart enough. I'm too old to do this. Or um, who do I think I am to do this? Those are the beat ups. Those are, for some reason, those are the default. That beat up stuff, isn't it? And on my little meditation table, my sister gave me this cool little tiger. I'm born the year of the tiger. And it's a little saying that says, be gentle on yourself. My little sister, Jody has seen me beat myself up from, from the very beginning. I've always been an achiever. And, you know, when you try to achieve something, you're always, you know, this going to come up against things, right? In life, you just come up against stuff and it's, how are we going to deal with it? And, you know, we can, force it to happen and be stubborn. And I've definitely done that. And I really hasn't given the best results. If I take a deep breath and go, all right, what is, what's this moment need? And it's usually me taking care of myself. As opposed to just surviving, right? I mean, it's almost like, like that's the, the opposite, right? It's like, Mm -hmm you've survived you've you've survived the initiation you've survived i mean we have so many rites and rituals that are that yeah. are exactly that like you've you've earned the next step because you've survived and what you're saying is no it's not about survival it's about getting to that point in in a better place yeah not just in terms of the work you're producing mhm but as you, as a human being, and you're able to bring that into your every day. Yeah, exactly. It's an action. So when you're saying survival, that like happens to you in a way, this is a taking action. So the default might be beat up. We go, all right, that's the default. So I need to take a conscious action of that's going to be more supportive for myself and doing that. I come back to, oh, okay. So I can go back into, you know, the editing room or I can go back into in life relationships, deal with relationships on a conscious level, having the hard conversations with people. Uh, What are some of the other things? Uh, Getting out there and, you know, doing what I have to do. It's all conscious action, right? And so that's the thing. When you look, when when this film does premiere, just what you're saying, it's going to be like, yeah, it'll be nice to have the applause or whatever. But the best, the thing is, is like looking back at the journey of, wow, I grew with my husband and really could feel my value in our family. My kids saw their mom going for it. Maybe they'll do that too. My friends, they are enriched and they're able to see me, you know, really go for it and just take out all the stops and go. Maybe I'll do that too. And just feel that collective inspiration, I think you could say. That's what's going to be when we get to that premiere, that journey and all the rich getting past all the adversity. Is she really your audience in some ways, Cora, in that you're going to do this premiere, mm-hmm. right? And and the thought is, well, you're, you're, you're on the big screen, like this is it. But will you spend a lot of your time 
watching Cora watching the film? Uh, you know, no. She actually is not the audience for this film. Interesting. I, okay. I really adore Cora. We have, I call her each week and we talk a lot. She's been a participant all the way. Um, we fought a lot because I've been fighting for the film that I want to make. And a lot of times it's having hard conversations with her. No, it's not going to be to sell Snowland. <laughs> this isn't, I'm not making commercial, Cora, but we're doing something a lot bigger. And when I do it, when we're filming you and your um, daughter, Cora, uh, Becca, in a scene, and you guys maybe are fighting, and you guys get past it. That's a great scene, Cora. Yeah. Having those kind of conversations. So that I've directed a lot of this. I'm not a fly on the wall. I'm directing it. Cora understands that. Her and her daughter, Becca, who the, it's a, really a mother-daughter story. They understand, they're artists like me. And they understand that the product, the film is bigger than, than us. Okay. We do our craft. And we put it out there. They they know that too. But it's been really fun, um, you know, honoring Cora and having her trust. I, that it, it, I feel like I'm in a huge position of privilege to have that trust in her family. I even the difficult people like her her husband signed a release. That was a miracle. You know, it's all about being, being transparent and real with people and not try to come with the, you know, something that they are, I'm trying, I'm not trying to catch them all being wrong. And being there for nine years, you kind of disappear too, right? The camera, the camera is there, but, but you're not really, you know, they, they, they kind of get so comfortable with you that they. Maybe that, a little bit. Yes. Yes. Maybe a little bit. So Cora and her family have gone through trauma not just with the husband, but with the priesthood leaders in that. With leadership, right. Who are yeah, preserving. The, the religious leadership, exactly. And it's so important that that I, kept, uh, that I kept conversations with people, even in, in communication. So it's not just me coming in, telling their story and showing it. It's I, I don't want people to be re-traumatized. So I feel it's really important that it's, always a continuous back and forth their involvement um you know i'm doing the best i can maybe people wish i had more involvement or less but well i think that cora isn't quite the the key audience because she's a person that she's she's already practicing when i'm hoping the film is gonna inspire people to do I do hope to, I, I will be showing it down in Southern Utah. And I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to a lot of people opening their eyes to this hero in their community that they shunned at one time. Wow. What, what, what will that be? Because as you were saying that, showing it in Southern Utah, showing it to this community, I mean, that that got my heart going, you know, I'd like got, got a little, got a little sweaty thinking about thinking about presenting it to, to, to the very group. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it, it, it's a celebration of Cora. Yeah. 
yeah. but not necessarily a celebration of the whole community. Right. When you are able to tell truth, I think energy rises. And mm -hmm. I'm hoping that's what the feeling is going to be when we show it there. It is, it is her story. I I want people to look at it as like, wow, this she is one of us. There's something to learn and there's less, you know, there's transformation to happen and conversations to be had. It's almost like it'll start a dialogue. This is amazing. And and each <laughs> each project that you finish is is a culmination of of the journey that you've been on. You know, yeah. and, and obviously yeah. it's going to continue, you know, the next journey, because I imagine <laughs> you've got to keep that editor on board. So you've got to get to the next journey. But you said that early on that you, you felt like your mother loved her art more than she loved you, yeah. which in some ways is a theme within within the movie as well. Right. Because oh, yeah. as a plural wife, it's like, well, does he love me more than he loves her? And yes. is he spending more time with me? Is is That's is right. there more, you know, are, are we in bed together more than than somebody else? And et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. How did your journey, your artistic journey, because you keep gaining more and more skills and the hope is that you get to be able to tell a better and better story. Totally. But how did that, how did that start? What was the spark of, because, I mean, you were, you were doing still photographs back when you were in middle school. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know some of the people that you'd worked with back in Aspen, right? With like Dee Dee Brinkman working on, on some commercials and yeah. things like that. Like, how did this, <laughs> how did this all happen for you? How, how did you end up where you are? I guess is the question. <laughs> oh my God, that's so big. Yeah, it's a big question. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, you know, growing up in Aspen, such a special place we were there when you know when there was real incredibly small knit community and uh our good friend Dee, Dee Brinkman she was a she would bring in producers for these great commercials Budweiser McDonald's uh Mountain Dew and have us kids in you know, middle school and high school and stuff, cast, you know, like do casting. We, we line up and get videoed and- So you could I have been would, an actress. I could have been an actress? Or you could have been. I mean, this is kind of the start, right? You were in front of the camera. <laughs> well, that was part of the journey. I ended up through Dee Dee Brinkman getting a Mountain Dew gig, Mountain Dew uh, for three years. And we went all over the place and it ended up paying for my college where I ended up getting a journalism degree. But very early on, I realized that I was not as comfortable in front of the camera. <laughs> and there was a still photographer on the Mountain Dew uh, series, the Dew Crew, we were called. <laughs> and there was a, a, a photographer there and I just kept watching her and going, God, that looks like a fun job. She was filming the process. Right. And I, that really stuck with me. And I ended up um, getting into photography and having 
slowing, you know, it's like stills and video are so different. You're able to slow down a little bit and really work with people with stills. I think one of the biggest things, you know, like I was a big, after, after journalism school at Colorado State University, we moved to Utah and I went to the, <clears throat> the University of Utah to get a film degree. And the same week that I found out that I got it into the MFA program for film studies, that I was pregnant with our son, EJ. <laughs> These journeys seem to be intertwined. Yes, exactly. Motherhood, work. Uh, a big kind of theme for me in life is, you know, in, in the film is duty versus desire. Mm -hmm. You know, what do we, what should we do? And what do we get to do? I think life is a, a balance of that. I learned about doing still, still photos and, that, you know, photographing you too. Sure. I, I really, instead of portraits where, or a pose even, I'm really interested in getting people in the moment, a, an authentic moment. And it happens, it's also the same thing with emotion and in a scene. And when we would, during those 98 days, we wanna, and, and this is something too with my, as I'm aging and not be, you know, I would, maybe I would write notes of what I wanna get that, like what I should get for the scene the next day. And then I show up and I look at my notes and try to express being transparent with my film participants. What do you think? And then of course they want to do something else. So I throw away the notes. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's be in the present right now. What's going on? You two are fighting. All right, let's go there. Let's lean into it. I'm going to roll the camera now. And instead of, you know, stopping the camera, going, changing, I would let the camera roll sometimes up to two hours at a time. Right. I never shot that way. This is a whole new thing for my artistic development. It's, it's just, nice to be able to shoot on digital as well, right? Oh, so you're not yeah. you're not burning <laughs> film. You're not going, how much, how much is that costing me? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you come home with two hours of, you know stuff you usually want to watch it right away but i couldn't because i knew the next day i had to write my notes <laughs> and then go back the next day so it was really interesting but being the i guess the big, biggest lesson or the biggest blessing that i got out of the whole thing is loving that as we age <clears throat> maybe we don't i don't know remember every little last detail for a good reason because it just puts us let's get right in the present lean into whatever it is that's happening right now. That's why this film is going to have a lot of fresh scenes because it is happening in the now. That's a big, it's a big leap of faith, but it's also, it's an interesting storytelling technique, I think, right? Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we've been conditioned, you know, you, you were a journalist, right? So, so being a journalist, you're telling the story from beginning to end. Like you have to have a hook to get people interested in it. And then you've got your body of, of your, of your story. And, and then you're who, what, who, what, where, when, why. Right. Exactly. You're, you've got your reverse pyramid kind of thing and you're working with all of this stuff. Right. And you're telling that story. 
but yeah. the problem, and I've found this in doing in doing this podcast as well. It's the same kind yeah. of thing for me where yeah. if yeah. I say, well, Jill's story is going from here to there to there, then I'm telling your story mm-hmm. as opposed to you mm-hmm. telling your story and oh, being wow. willing to kind of go on that journey. Yeah, interesting. Do you enjoy that leap of faith or is that is that is that the sort of I mean it's jumping off a cliff right it's it like cliff jumping on your street, like of like okay this is gonna be great but I don't know if I want to do it <laughs> is that it's scary and exciting two close cousins uh it's really scary because you're throwing out the rules yeah in some ways and, and the control we'll, and the control exactly Chris oh my gosh that's huge but then you realize, wow, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be, but wow, it's so enriching. And I think that's what art is, is just like kind of knowing the rules, but having the courage to throw it away and just do what is right in the moment. And that is what speaks to people because it is some kind of a truth that's happening. I feel this conversation has been so honest and truthful and in the moment and you know you're listening to me i'm listening to you it's really great i really appreciate this opportunity to to just speak with you and learn more about you too and, I love and it. likewise there's a there's a quote that i love i have a, a series of quotes that that are actually in the place where where i do my best thinking right so so in my bathroom i have a, a series of quotes from the dalai yes. lama it was his thoughts for the uh for the for the year and one of them is is learn the rules learn the rules well so you can break them properly (laughs) brilliant i love it (laughs) to me that's what it has to be i mean because that ultimately is the art part of it right you've got to learn those rules and learn the convention to be able to put yourself into it because the thought is you you know as as a as a beginning Mm -hmm. artist it's kind of like well you want to blow up everything yeah, <laughs> blow up I'm, I'm going to do it completely uniquely, and I'm it, and I don't and, oh. and I don't care. But it's like, can can you learn those rules so that you can break them properly? And I, I love I love the way that you're doing it. How can how can people help? Because you are in the midst of trying to finish your first feature length, which is just such yeah. an amazing journey. Oh yeah, it is so exciting. I am so ready to make this. I have been born to make a feature length film. You know, I, I've been um, a volunteer and then a staff member at Sundance Institute. And I really, I'm a huge Robert Redford believer and, you know, the story lives in you. And I know that I can do it too. Um, And I want to inspire others to, you know, go for their dreams and how to reach me and support me. I think, um, you know, I'm doing an event on March, 16th at Park City Film, where we are, it's kind of a snowland presentation. We're going to put some scenes in progress on the big screen at the Santee Auditorium. I'm really excited to show the film. A lot of this winter has been about kind of having, you know, anyways, I should say that again. On March 16th, (laughs) we're going to be at the Santee Auditorium and we're going to show some scenes that are in progress. And I'm also going to pull the curtain back on the creative process. Oh, cool. I'm going to show a 
an interview with Cora without our animation. And then I'm gonna show a little bit of sample of the animation so people can see how that adds to it and how I'm really uh, fundraising so we can keep our animator, Jeremy Rourke on board and really get this film made the way I, you know, I, I envision it. The way you see it in your mind, right? Yes, exactly. And I, you know, I want to just keep having faith that um, what I started doing nine years ago should get out to the world because I, I believe it's going to make a difference. Yeah. And so can they go to your website? Is it uh, yeah. jillorshall.com or jillorshall.com and we can we can learn about all the films that i've made and um also with snowland we've got a snowland page well it might be because you have a donate page on your on your website right so yeah yeah so that might be the easiest and then there's yeah. a contact there so people can contact you there as well uh, to go to one place you might have to spell your last name just to make sure yeah, well, jillorschel.com, so J-I-L-L-O-R-S-C-H-E-L.com. And, you know, people, anybody can sign up for our newsletters. I love building our circle of supporters. It is so fun. Um, I love to give everybody a snowflake and <laughs> make them, make people feel that, um, I, I just really love to inspire people and and get people's imaginations going of what's possible for themselves. I would say that's probably my biggest mission in life. You you are doing a tremendous job of it, Jill. So keep doing what you're doing. And thank, thank you, you my for friend. joining us. Yeah. It's been really fun. This has been great. Well, thank you. And thank you to all of you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed your time with us. The greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends. Tell your friends to tune in to like us, to follow us, please subscribe. Subscribing will mean that you get to know what we're producing the next time. So we please join us and then we'll continue to bring you great content. See you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris White Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.